The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together, we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. You don't have to dip forever. You know that, right? You don't have to smoke forever. And the reason I say it like that is I have been that guy. I've been that guy. I dipped for so long. And what would happen is I would decide I'm going to quit. That's bad for me. I'm going to quit. I'm a man. I don't need any help. I'm just going to quit cold turkey. And I would fail time and time and time again. I tried things like the patch. That didn't work. Gum. Sunflower seeds. I, I tried it all. It's just a matter of finding the right thing to help you quit. That's Jake's Mint Chews. Go, put in your dip. Just make sure it's Jake's Mint Chews. It's tobacco-free. It's nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free. And I highly recommend, just a personal choice, I highly recommend their CBD pouches because it really helps take that extra edge off. Get a jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE at checkout. When you do that, you get 10% off. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. It is an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. (laughs) Doesn't that put you in a good mood, Chris? Why not? I am not insufferable on this day. I don't know what your problem is. I think you're insufferable. But it is an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. Email your questions. I am a bit overwhelmed, but I'm getting to them. 
If, if, if I don't get to them on the week you send them, just know that I don't chuck them in the trash. I'll save them. I'll get them to next week. I'm going to get to as many as humanly possible, but it's an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. We have one of my favorite subjects in the world we're talking about for history. You crazy people have sent in some great questions, political and otherwise. It's going to be a blast. We're going to, we're going to have a blast. Look, it's been a blast of a week. And I know people think I'm crazy when I talk like that. Because if you're a political person, and if you're listening to my voice right now, you probably are somewhat of a political person. Unless you're one of those people who just does the history second segment and ditches, which I get that too. That's fine. But if you're a political person, the stakes are ramping up now. It's getting close to an election cycle. And everything, everything is magnified. But it's important for you to understand everything's magnified. The good stuff that you're so excited about, woo! It's probably not as good as you think. The bad stuff, oh my gosh, the election's over, we lost. I'm moving, I'm moving to New Zealand. The bad stuff's probably not as bad as you think. Everything's magnified. So instead of letting this season yank you left, yank you right, up, down, happy, sad, just enjoy it. Enjoy that this is the game. This is what you pay attention for. This is what you talk to your friends about. This is what you argue with people about on social media, about this right here. We're in the game. Be happy. Be happy that we are in the game. All right. All right. We're setting all that stuff aside. Let us begin with one of my favorite people in the history of mankind. But let me ask you something first. What is leadership? How you define it. Don't don't think about a dictionary definition. Don't think about your buddy's definition of it. How do you find a leader? How do you identify one? What makes a great leader to you? Leading by example? Wise words? Kindness, meanness, hard work. What is a leader to you? Can you even define it? Most people can't really. Doesn't make you bad. It's just something hard to bottle up. I had a phone conversation earlier this week with uh, a buddy I trust. One of these guys, I mean, I don't have... I don't have a, a huge amount of people in my life I trust to go with, go to with, you know, real, real problems that need advice. And when I say real problems, it's, you know, I can't decide if I want to buy this or not buy this. Should I, should I invest in this or not invest in that? Career-wise, should I go this way or that way? I mean, there aren't a ton of people I go to and I would actually listen and take their advice, mostly because I'm an arrogant jerk. No, it's not that. I just don't trust a lot of people with a lot of things. But this is one of those buddies I do. And he actually asked me, who, in your opinion, is the greatest leader of all time? He didn't qualify it. He didn't say president. He didn't say king. He didn't say world leader. He didn't say general. He didn't say business leader. 
He didn't say anything. Who's the greatest leader of all time? And without thinking about it, I just came out and I said, Chesty Puller. He said, Whoa, really? Chesty Puller? The Marine, right? I'm like, yep, the Marine, Chesty Puller. And he was floored by that. He, it just was not something you'd ever see coming if you asked somebody that question. Chesty Puller, what? What? But I think it's because Chesty Puller is practically worshipped in Marine Corps circles. And because he was never a general of a gigantic army, people outside of Marine Corps circles, maybe they've heard of him, but they certainly don't know much about him. Now, let me clarify something before we get into Chesty's life. Give you just a little brief bio you really should read on the guy. I mean, it's just incredible. Before we dig into that, though, when I say worshipped, I mean from the moment you get to boot camp, you hear Chesty Puller's name. You will have times in boot camp where they force you. The man's been dead since, I think, the 70s, 71, I think he died. They will force you to say goodnight to Chesty Puller. They teach entire classes about Chesty Puller. When I got to my unit, my unit was 1st Battalion, 7th Marines. And when you're in the Marine Corps, you go through the recruit training. It's, it's three months. It's like 13 weeks, I think. 13 weeks of recruit training. That's the miserable stuff you've seen in the movies. They're screaming at you. You're running push-ups, all that stuff. You finish that. And then you move on from there and you go to one of two places. You either go to, and I forget forget what exactly they call it now. I can't remember. I, don't, I can't believe I don't remember this now. If you're an infantry guy, you go to SOI, the School of Infantry. It's a post-recruit training thing, and it's very difficult. But they're teaching you the basics of actually being in the infantry. Grenades, rockets, the, the works. The works. And then there's a separate school. I said there were two different ones, and that's the one I can't remember. It's a separate, extremely condensed school where they'll teach you, you know, the very, very basics of everything we have to become experts at when you're in the infantry. So I go through that. I go through SOI, and we leave there, and I'm assigned to 29 Palms, California. Well, we get there, and it turns out my unit is 1-7, 1st Battalion, 7th Marines. It's the same unit Chesty Puller took command of in World War II. And we thought, we almost thought the boot camp stuff was them just kind of messing with us. You go to 1st Battalion, 7th Marines, you walk into their headquarters, you, you feel like he's there. And they'll tell you, and you know... You know, I'm the soulless monster. I don't even believe in ghosts or anything like that. I think all that stuff's really weird. They'll tell you. They'll say, Chesty's ghost is still here. You better mind your P's and Q's. And I I can't stress this point enough. It's not like Marines are like this. If you brought up this stuff with anyone else, you'd get laughed at. Oh, look at this idiot. Shut up. Go do some push ups. It would be mocked. You never mocked it. And they beat it into you so hard, eventually, 
You might not have believed it. I don't know that I ever got to that point where I believed it all the way. But I wasn't going to badmouth the guy. And I'm still at this point, I only know the general high points, which is really all I'm going to be able to give you today is mostly the high points. But I got awfully curious. Marines don't talk about people like this. Well, about anybody. No, Marines, Marines only talk about themselves. Not that I would know anything about that, Chris. <laughs> All right. So it's Chesty Puller time today. Lewis Chesty Puller. Hang on, we'll begin. You need HomeTitleLock.com. You just have to have it. And I wish we lived in a world where you didn't have to have it. I think it's a poor reflection of our society that cyber thieves have now moved on to stealing people's home titles, forging their signatures on them, taking loans out against them, and leaving people financially ruined. I, 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 that's awful to me. It's beyond awful. But the truth is this. Law enforcement does not have a handle on this crime. They do not. The FBI will tell you that. They just don't. Home title lock is your chance to stop it. I'm telling you now. I've seen what they can do. I've seen it personally. Go get HomeTitleLock.com now. HomeTitleLock.com. Do not forget to use the code RADIO when you get there. That actually gets you 30 days of free protection. Chesty Puller, and this seems like this is such a common tale for people I really admire. Chesty Puller was born, didn't have a lot of money, not destitute poor, but did not have a lot of money. Not at all. Chesty Puller, well, Chesty Puller had to hunt for his family's food because his dad died when he was younger. That's the kind of life Chesty Puller had. And he grew up, his entire family was stacked full of veterans. And remember, this he, he's born pre-20th century. So when I say stacked full of veterans, I'm talking Civil War veterans. And he grows up hearing about these people and reading about these people. And he grows up with this hard, hard scrabble life. When you were, I mean, think about that. Look, as you well know, I didn't exactly grow up with a ton of money in my own life. I wasn't hunting for my family's food. Have you ever hunted for your family's food? And I don't mean hunting for something you're just going to eat. I've done a ton of that. Shot a deer, shot an antelope. Yeah, you know, look, I shot a pheasant. Hey, we'll cook that uh, next month for Christmas. We'll, 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 everybody's done that kind of thing, or I shouldn't say everybody, but most people have done something like that. I mean, as a child, your dad is dead. You have debts. You have a rifle in your hand, and you're walking out into the woods 
And if you don't kill something, you guys don't get to eat that night. Just just that part of the story alone floors me that that's how people have lived. That's how people still to this day live around this world. People live like this. Does that, I mean, not to get all America sappy on you here. Isn't that kind of humbling? Doesn't that kind of floor you? Think about the blessings you have. How far are you away right now, if you're home, or just think about your house, how far are you away from a full meal for your family? But look, maybe you're maybe you're doing fine. I have plenty of people listening to my show who are. Maybe you're having uh, fillets tonight. Good for you. Awesome. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're out of work, laid off. Maybe you just don't make a lot of money, and it's going to be uh, Kraft Mac and Cheese for dinner tonight. Pretty much my favorite thing in the world. But maybe it's that tonight. But still, you are going to bed with a full belly tonight. Chesty Puller, as a child, knew he was going to bed hungry if he didn't kill something with that weapon. That, that's amazing to me. And maybe it shouldn't because it was such a different time in America. And when I say different time, I understand this for a long time. See if you, I want you to wrap your mind around America being this today. Chesty Polar would do things like box in school. They they had boxing in American schools back in the day. <laughs> Can you even picture can you even picture this suburban soccer mom society going through that today? Oh, my gosh, little Aiden, Braden, and Jaden. They got black eyes at recess. Ah! <laughs> but understand, that was the norm. That was the norm. And Chesty, well... He was a bit of a different kid, a, a grown-up kid, as you can imagine. Your dad dies. You have to take over a lot of things when it comes to your family. That would grow you up quickly. And it was more, I should say, than just hunting for food. Chesty Puller, Chesty Puller had a job. And I've been yelled at before that people think I'm just being a troll when I, when I speak out against child labor laws. I know that's terrible. But I want you to know I'm not joking. I'm not even a little bit joking when I speak out against it. And I know what you picture. As soon as I say child labor laws, everybody pictures the same thing. What are you picturing right now? Don't don't lie. I know what it is. You're picturing one of those pictures of the of the kids standing outside the coal mines in a big group with soot covering their faces, looking exhausted. Don't fall for the propaganda. Don't fall for history's propaganda. If you think the media is lying a lot today, please do not think that's some kind of new phenomenon. Yes, that stuff did happen. I'm not denying it. But you know what was the norm for children in America because of our values as a nation? The norm for children in America who worked was 
here, here's a broom. You can come sweep out my shop for a little money every day. Help your family eat. Here, you remember you remember the show we did on Carnegie. Here, I, I understand you're young. Your family's hungry. Here, we need you to be a, uh, a message runner, essentially. You need to run here and there and deliver this letter and that letter. And let me ask you something. That may not be the life you want for your child. And I'll tell you, look, it's not the life I want for mine. I'm not judging you for that. I've got a 10 and 11-year-old. It would really be a rough feeling if I uh, had to go home tonight and say, James, Luke, um, yeah, daddy lost his job. Can't really find another one. Or I have another one and it just doesn't, it doesn't pay enough to pay the bills. I need you guys to go ahead and, and, and get some jobs to help us feed the family. It's almost unbelievable to think about having that conversation, and I would never want to have it either, but isn't it okay to have if the family has to eat? These kids who had these jobs back in the day, they're helping their families eat. They're helping their families claw their way out of poverty. And maybe I'm being, maybe I'm dwelling too long on this because it's, I will tell you, it's personal for me. My oldest son recently, and I'm very, very proud of this. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to brag on my kids openly all the time. He came to me. He has things he wants, the toys and things, you know, things boys want. And he's told me, Dad, I really want a job. Can I get a job? What jobs can I do? I love that. I love that. Didn't come pestering me for money or something like that. I want a job. Can I get a job? I think that's freaking awesome. And let me ask you again, what in the world is wrong with that? Not a daggone thing. I think it's really cool. So uh, my bad, Chris. We might want to go ahead and prep ourselves for the angry phone calls and emails now because how many people in the country are speaking out against child labor laws? <laughs> you know what? I feel like we can work hard to get that repealed. You know what's funny is that's one of those things. As you know, just because I do this, not for any other reason, I end up knowing a bunch of congressmen and senators and whatnot. I would love to pitch them on something like that just to get their reaction. I should do it and just record their reactions. Of course, you could never name any names, but it would be hilarious, Chris, to go ahead and pitch them on it. Why not? They're always pitching me on something. Every one of these people running for office, they all do the same thing. And I get it. That's the game. That's politics. But they're always, hey, could you could you uh, uh, send out uh, this uh, fundraising video I did? Can you, could you have me on? I want to talk about this new bill I'm promoting. And that's the job. Again, I'm not judging them. That's the game. But they're always asking me for stuff, Chris. I can ask for stuff. Gosh, that's actually a really good idea. We might have to do that. I'm going to get in trouble. But we might have to do that. We'll do a little test run. I'll do I'll tell you what. If I think of it this weekend, and the chances of that are criminally low, but if I think about it this weekend, I'm going to send out a little text, a little maybe maybe I'll email a couple of them and just see what they have to say. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. Uh, uh, Senator Cruz, uh, do you think you would get on board with my uh, uh, repealing child labor laws right before the election? Is that something you'd be on board with? <laughs> Hang on. Hang on. 
Car repairs suck. I, I they're honestly, it's more than just the money. Now, I, the money hurts clearly. They're always expensive. The money hurts. It's the inconvenience of it, and this is what I mean by that. You see, I have always had an auto protection plan of some kind. I'm thrilled I have Car Shield now. And most other auto protection companies, they will have you go to a mechanic or a dealer of their, of their choosing, or they'll have you know two or three. And how often are those close to your home? Never. So now you're adding a drive on top of it. It's a nightmare. Not with Car Shield. CarShield has a huge range of protection plans, so you can get one that fits you, and you pick the mechanic. You pick the dealership. That's awesome. Go to carshield.com. Again, that's carshield.com. Do not forget to use the code JESSE. Get 10% off. A deductible may apply. I apologize. I uh, got off on the child labor laws there. Chris has informed me. I got a little bit sidetracked. All right, back to Chesty Puller. I, t- I promised, Chris, because we have so much Ask Dr. Jesse stuff today that I will try to wrap the history stuff up reasonably early. I just want to tell you a few things about the man's life. First of all, hated school. And this is something that will follow him throughout his life. Throughout his Marine Corps career, and this is probably one of the reasons I relate, because I hate it so much, too. He absolutely had no use whatsoever, and I mean none, for school. He thought it was a complete waste of time. He thought real-life applications were so much more valuable. And this didn't just apply to normal school. This applied to military schools he'd go to as well. He'd go... And without really making a huge jerk of himself, he'd essentially be like, what are, what are we what are we doing? None of this stuff is going to work. But either way, so Chesty, again, family of veterans. That's who he grows up admiring. Chesty obviously hears about World War I. But Chesty's too young to fight in World War I. However, Chesty doesn't agree that Chesty's too young to fight in World War I. So that's creating a bit of a problem. So Chesty starts trying to join and go fight in World War I. Now, remember this. Remember, we're, we're talking about World War I here. The world by now knows. Now, you listen to my show, so you know this too. And by this point, Chesty knows. This is the most horrific conflict the world has ever known. It's not as if that was some kind of secret Back here at home, you and I hear these stories about World War I and the trenches and the gas and the machine guns and the artillery, and and we're horrified. Uh, Who wouldn't be horrified? Chesty Puller. You see, Chesty Puller heard these stories and says to himself, ooh, that actually sounds like fun. I think I would like to do that, (laughs) Only, only he's not old enough to do it. So he has to go to his mother for permission. Remember, he doesn't have a father. He goes to mom for permission. And obviously, mom can read too. <laughs> mom says, uh, no. Chesty bags. Bags. She's all, no, absolutely not. 
So he misses out on World War One after doing everything in his power to try to get there. Misses out on World War One. He's salty about it. Completely salty about it. For him, I mean, that's where he's supposed to be. And you'll understand this a little better as we continue through his life. This is just a different, he's a different human being. He decides he's going to attend the VMI. You remember the VMI, Virginia Military Institute. Where has that come up earlier this week, kids? Stonewall Jackson. That's right. He was one of the ones teaching at VMI back in his day. Chesty signs up. He's going to go be an officer. He's going to graduate VMI, go be an officer. Struggles in school, but I don't mean like failing out struggles. Just not a bookworm, but an absolute grinder. All right, this is stupid. I don't want to do it. But if I have to stay up for 12 hours to keep up with this book nerd over here, I guess I'll do it. Kind of one of those attitude type deals. Only a problem arises. World War One ends. World War One ends and this happens to countries, or at least it used to happen to countries, America, you finish a war and you have a massive military drawdown. That is just, that was the nature of the beast. And it makes total sense now, right? War, war ramps up, your military ramps up. New bases, new troops, new guns, new tanks, new equipment, new everything. We got to spend, 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 spend. We got to win the war. And then as soon as the war is over, it's, whoa, okay, it's, it's, uh, it's budget time. We got to pull back on all that stuff. Okay, we're we have uh we and I'm making up these numbers completely. We have a hundred thousand Marines. Uh, that needs to be down to about ten thousand. So let's go ahead and start running people out. And what they do is they run out people they don't view as essential. You if you have ten people in this one job, you pick one guy you think can function while doing that job, and you just run the other nine out the door. So Chesty is going to be an officer, only the United States Marine Corps doesn't need officers right now. They're drawing down on officers. Well, this is coinciding with another need. Here's Chesty Puller. He's now a second lieutenant, but they're drawing everything down. Oh, and by the way, we need some guys to go fight in Haiti. So they tell Chesty Puller, that, uh, congratulations, you're a second lieutenant, but we really don't need more full-time second lieutenants right now, so we need you to just be a reservist, really. To which Chesty says, well, I mean, who's going to fight in Haiti? And they say, well, I mean, not you, reservist. And Chesty says, okay, well, let's do it this way. Okay, I'm no longer a second lieutenant. I'm enlisting as a private. <laughs> That's this guy. There's a fight going on. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't need to be a lieutenant. I just be a private. <laughs> this guy's a nut job. I'm telling you, I love him. Are you starting to get a better idea of why the toughest Marines I've ever known in my life worshipped this man? This is just the type of guy he was. He goes down to Haiti, and he may have been just a private, obviously, but. We, we, we didn't send, you've never even heard of our fighting in Haiti, almost undoubtedly. We didn't send a large force. It wasn't a large conflict. I'm not going through it just because it's just, maybe I'll do it another time. But the fighting that is there is vicious, and the Americans who are there are leading. I want you to think about Chesty's role in Haiti almost like the role of a Green Beret today. 
He's going down there. He's going down there. They're fighting, but he's leading, you know, the people who are already there in their fight. But they're already seeing something in Chesty Pooler. When I say leading, I mean if we're charging, that's Chesty in the front. If I'm asking you to do something, I'm doing it. Chesty's getting lessons from other people who know about leadership at this time. At one point in time, Chesty Puller, his unit came under fire, and Chesty did what sane human beings do, and he dropped to the ground. You know, you take cover. He was actually lectured by this by a fellow Marine that, uh, yeah, I get that you're taking cover. That's fine and all, but not for a leader. The men need to see you unafraid. And he was infamous from that point on in his career he, he just wouldn't take cover lots of the time. He'd just be walking around smoking a pipe with things blowing up all around him as if he was completely unafraid. And the guy turns out to have a knack for battlefield leadership. And there are people like this. Remember, I told you he hates school, right? Hates school with a passion. He's not good at it. He has no use for it. But you get him in the field and he's shined. And I've known guys like this. Gosh, I have one Marine. I almost want to name him, but I'm not going to do it because I didn't talk to him before the show. This guy, one of our, one of the men in charge of our company actually told this guy. He said, I wish we could just take you out to the field. I wish we could take you to battle and just leave you there. And we'll come back and get you again whenever we need you for another one. I mean, you get this guy back. He's got to go to classes and do do drill and things. No use for it. Always getting in trouble. Just no use for it whatsoever. I mean, just in peacetime, you would think this is the biggest turd of a Marine in the history of mankind. You get the guy in combat? You're looking at him. I, I'm Look, I, I fought right beside him. You're looking at him and thinking, this guy was born to do this. Some people are born to to do certain things. I believe that, obviously, 100%. I believe God puts us here to do certain things. Chesty Polar was born to make war. Uh, They ran a a big piece on him later on in his life. I think it was Time Magazine. Don't quote me on that. It might have been Newsweek or something. They ran a big piece on him and just flat out called it Man of War. That was Chesty Polar. And he's starting to get a reputation down here in Haiti. And it's a reputation... He would actually live up to it. Hang on. Credit score is not a sometimes thing. Credit score is something you need to be aware of, maintain, and improve at all times. You understand, you understand the dollar amounts we're talking about here, right? You understand the difference in your credit score? It can cost you $9,000 on the life of a car loan. It can cost you $100,000 on the life of a home loan. Why have you not gone to scoremaster.com slash jesse yet? On average, this is the average, this is insane. The average ScoreMaster user raises their credit score 61 points in 20 days or less. 61 points. That translates into such an absurd amount of money for you. 
scoremaster.com slash jesse. That's scoremaster.com slash jesse. Jesse Poehler does very well in Haiti, to put it mildly. In case you're wondering by now, he's an officer again. They, uh, yeah, they looked at this guy and thought, this is probably this is probably somebody we should go ahead and keep here, like, full-time. <laughs> You've had people like this probably in your, in your company or in your industry. I mean, maybe it's you. They hire you on a temporary basis, or you just work with them as, like, a subcontractor or something. And eventually they, they just flat out approach you and say, we, we need you to work for us all the time. This is this is awesome. And that was Chesty. So Chesty starts doing the Marine Corps thing if you're an officer. Really, if you're a high up enlisted guy too, but if you're an officer, they bounce you around. They do this for a couple different reasons. One, I mean, look, if you ask them, they'll tell you it's only this reason. One, they want you to have, you know, a broad range of things you can do and knowledge. And obviously, that's partially true. They do want that. And it is healthy for you to know how to do several different things. But two, it's the government. Even though it's the military, even though it's the Marine Corps, which would probably be top tier when it comes to efficiency, it's the government. It's inefficient. Not sure where they want you sometimes. So they start bouncing Chesty Puller around. And Chesty Puller... He's just a leader of men. He finds himself in Hawaii. And Chesty Puller shows up and he's disgusted by what he sees. He's disgusted by the discipline. He's disgusted by the equipment his men have been given. And this is part of the reason he's so revered. Chesty Puller would absolutely work you into the ground. But Chesty Puller would, one, he would do it right beside you and probably do it better and do more of it. And two... While he's working you into the ground, he's berating somebody above him saying, why does my guy have such a crappy shovel? How's he supposed to do this with this crappy shovel? Get my man a good shovel and a good hot meal. Look at how hard he's working. And then he turns to you. What are you looking at, sissy? Dig. Marines love that stuff. Again, why do I consider him the best? It's stuff like that. There was an... Uh, accidental discharge. And, and, and there are there are d- disputes whether or not this was Chesty Puller's fault. But there was an accidental discharge. Probably was Chesty Puller's fault. Chesty Puller would crush you if you had an accidental discharge. Chesty Puller had one. He crushed himself. Just destroyed himself. I think gave himself like a $100 fine, and I believe this was in the 1920s. Don't quote me on that, but I'm almost positive. Do you have any idea how much money $100 was in the 1920s, especially for a young Marine officer? Yeah. Took it seriously. Took it real seriously. And his reputation continues to increase for doing things that just drip bravado. Eventually, we go do some fighting in Nicaragua. We go down, we fight in Nicaragua. And Chesty Puller's having some issues with a local dude. And I love, who was I listening to that relayed this story so well? Oh, I got it. Perfect. 
Uh, Dan Mullins, Dan Mullins does a podcast. If you like history and you like to laugh, which if you're listening to my show, you probably do. He does a great history podcast called Time Suck. I cannot emphasize this part enough, though, and please hear me. As you know, I will always, always, always do a show you can listen to with your kids. I understand it can get violent and bloody sometimes as I describe certain gruesome historical things, but I always keep in mind there are kids listening. My son's friends listen to the show, my 10-year-old. I know you listen with your kids. I love it. I want you to do that. Let me stress this point. You cannot listen to Time Suck with Dan Cummins. Dan Cummins. Did I call him Mullins? Whatever. You cannot listen to Time Suck with your children. Believe me. You cannot. We understand that? I'm, I'm not going to elaborate because, again, I don't want you to have to turn this channel off. You cannot do it. Chris, see if you can get Dan Cummins on the show. Totally love his stuff. He does awesome these awesome history podcasts. Love it. But he relays this story really, really well. And it's essentially a story of Chesty Puller walking in the office. Chesty Puller's unarmed of a guy who's giving them trouble down there, threatening the man to his face. The man stands up. The man has a pistol on his hip and stands up ready to draw it. And Chesty Puller says, please, go ahead. I hope you're fast. Because I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and he's getting famous and more and more famous for this stuff. I mean, the dude is like, he's like a movie character. That's what he is. He's like a movie character. Now you're now you're getting a better idea about why, aren't you? D- don't worry, Chris. I know about the clock. I am going to hurry. Well, I'm going to try to wrap this up in another segment. No, I'm going to try to do another segment. I know I know we have a bunch of questions today. I'm going to get to them. There's a lot still to get to, but I'm going to get to Chesty's quotes, a couple other things, and then we'll wrap this up. Thank you. You have to have some gold in your portfolio. It's just part of every single finance guy's portfolio. And I want to clarify something. When I tell you to go get a gold IRA from Gold Alliance, I need you to understand this. I'm not talking about a treasure chest of gold coins like a pirate. I mean a gold IRA, a legal gold IRA that holds its value if the market goes crazy Kaput, how do you want me to put this? If the market does what we all know it's going to do, you are going to be thanking God on high that you have a gold IRA from Gold Alliance. So go get one today. Go to goldalliance.com slash jesse. That's goldalliance.com slash jesse. Go there. Start protecting that retirement of yours. Jesse Puller. Jesse's one of those dudes. He kind of makes you want to join up again. I'm not going to distract. Never mind, Chris. I'm not going to get distracted. All right, Nicaragua's over. It's fine. In case you're wondering about Chesty's personal life, as you can imagine, he's gone a lot, but has a wife and adores her. 
Sends her flowers all the time, writes her letters all the time. Believe it or not, the dude was a huge softie, loved his kids, loved his wife, just happens to be hard as nails. And he keeps going to these schools. He has this one great quote, and it's so true. I'm going to have to, again, edit this down for radio purposes. <laughs> quote, we make generals today based on their ability to write a blank letter. Those kinds of men can't get us ready for war. Again, Chesty kept having to go to schools because they sent officers to schools. Chesty did not like school. And he did not find any of this stuff in school in any way applicable to the things he saw in combat. All right, I am going to actually, believe it or not, wrap up the life of Chesty Puller in one segment. I can do this, Chris. I can do this. I'm going to do this. One more segment. I'm going to torpedo through this thing. The guy has too much to get to anyway. Hang on. Jesse Kelly returns next. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. All right. Final chesty puller segment, okay? Final chesty puller segment, Chris. You know what this is, Chris? You know what's going to happen now? You're going to get hate mail because half the audience right now, they want me to wrap it up so I can get to their Ask Dr. Jesse questions and we can screw off. And the other half, they want to keep hearing chesty puller stories. And those people, they're going to hate you. So... Again, all your emails, jesse at jessekellyshow.com, they don't go right to me. They go to Chris, and he prints off your emails for me. So if you want to say something to me and insult Chris, gosh, you are more than welcome to do that. I am encouraging you to insult Chris, please. jesse at jessekellyshow.com, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Okay, World War II. World War II comes around. Jesse Puller, the Marine's Marine. Heads over there with his men and fights on places like Guadalcanal. I'm going to do a brief callback here to, you know, every Monday we do Medal of Honor Monday. It's just something very important to me. We will always do it. We read a Medal of Honor citation for Douglas Monroe on Monday from Guadalcanal. He was a Coast Guard guy who actually saved the life of Chesty Puller and a bunch of Marines on Guadalcanal. If you're interested, go download Monday's show. I'm not going to give it away here. We don't have enough time left, but just Guadalcanal was horrible, vicious jungle fighting. And Chesty Puller, he lived for it, and he lived for his men. Marines have this thing where they know the officers who think they're above their men and the ones who don't. Chesty Puller never did. There's My favorite Chesty Puller story ever is this one. It, it, officers, especially important ones, get their butts kissed a lot. They can help you through promotion. They can make your life easier. So his men are rotting there in World War II. I mean, he was on Peleliu, Guadalcanal. It was just, the, the guy was all over the place, always fighting, always leading. Always helping his men, walking around with a pipe in his mouth. Just the, the, the dude was dynamite. And one night, the mess sergeant, you know, dude in charge of the food, has a hot cup of coffee 
sent to Chesty Polar up there on the front lines. Here, he's a hot cup of joe, which you would think, you know, a normal person would be thrilled. Chesty Polar loses his freaking mind. Wait a minute. Hold on. You're sending me a hot cup of coffee? All of my men are dug in up here, hungry, eating crappy food, rotting in the jungle, and you took the time to make a hot cup of coffee and have it sent to me? I'll tell you what. Go back, bring this hot cup of coffee back to that mess sergeant and tell him he better prepare a hot meal for every single one of these Marines who's up here on the front line. And the guy did it. And that is how you get worshipped and revered by other United States Marines. He, the stories of him in World War II, they're absurd. He's the most decorated Marine of all time. At one point in time, he gets blown up. He has shrapnel all through his body, including his leg. They inform Chesty Puller that they have to evacuate him to go have surgery and get that shrapnel out. Chesty refuses to go because his men can't go. Who does that? Who does that? Who has a free ticket out of the living hell that was the Pacific? You've heard me tell you a thousand stories from the Pacific, and you'll hear me tell a thousand more. Chesty Puller gets a ticket out, and he's painfully, painfully wounded. I don't want to act like this was a light wound. They're like, you have to go. And he said, no, I do not. Actually, I don't. I'm not going. And wouldn't go. Finishes World War II. And oh he oh he's not done. No, 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 no. No, this is this is Chesty Puller. He's never done. Eventually Korea comes around. Korea comes around, and as you well know, Korea doesn't go well as at first. The North Koreans are kicking the crap out of the South, South Koreans. So we decide to land Marines on the Incheon Peninsula and essentially do an end run around them. So they have to turn around and run back the other way, and we do. And we slap the North Koreans around all the way, way up into North Korea. And we're beating the crap out of them. And Chesty's right there for all of it. And then that scumbag Mao sends in all these commies. And they eventually surround us. The 1st Marine Division was surrounded by eight Chinese divisions. And Chesty Puller, this is what, I mean, he's legendary. This is when he said things like, don't forget that you're the first Marines. Not all the communists can not all the communists in hell can overrun you. <laughs> and also when they're surrounded, they ask him about it. He says, he says, Great, we've been looking for the enemy forever. Now we're surrounded. That simplifies our problem. <laughs> completely fearless. Completely fearless. Completely inspiring at all times. And I will leave you. With probably my favorite Chesty Puller story. My favorite Chesty Puller story was an army guy coming up to Chesty Puller and telling him, Hey, Chesty, uh, what's our line of retreat? How do we get out of here? What's our line of retreat? And Chesty Puller, in front of this guy, calls over one of his artillery guys and says, It gives the artillery guy the army guy's coordinates and said, If you see him retreat, fire on him. <laughs> Retreat. We're not retreating anywhere. We're not retreating. In case you're wondering, Chesty eventually had a stroke. They drummed him out of the Marine Corps. Chesty always felt like they drummed him out on purpose because 
Remember how I told you he cared about his men a great deal? Well, he cared about the Marine Corps in general a great deal. And he felt like the troops were never equipped well enough. He really felt like the government was always screwing over the guys. And he just felt it had to stop. So he was speaking out. He would speak out publicly. And remember, he's by now post-Korea. You older listeners of mine will know this. But post-Korea, Chesty Puller is a legend. He's a national figure. You're speaking out against the government. You're speaking out against your own higher-ups in the Marine Corps. That's going to earn you a bit of bad blood. Quite a bit of bad blood. So whatever. He left the Marine Corps. He was always salty about it. And 68-year-old Chesty Puller, after he's long out of the Marine Corps, he's all done now, right? 68-year-old Chesty Puller volunteers to go fight in Vietnam when the Vietnam War breaks out. Obviously, they don't let him. His son did go fighting, got wounded very, very badly over there. But, I mean, the guy's family turned out to be great. That is leadership. And believe me when I tell you, I mean, he's similar to, to the Andrew Jackson episode I did. I don't, I don't generally do them on individuals. I've done some. You could do show after show after show after show on Chesty Bowler. He's somebody worth studying. He's somebody worth looking into, no matter your field, whether you're Marine or not. That is leadership. I will sleep in the muck where my men sleep. I will eat what my men eat. If there is danger to be had, I will experience it more than they experience it. If I have to, I will die for them. Not them for me. I will die for them. I am the first in. I am the last out. That's real leadership. And that's leadership that lasts. How does it last? Well... Here we are, 2020, and the name Chesty Puller is still spoken all over the United States Marine Corps and to this day in the headquarters of 1st Battalion, 7th Marines, when young Marines straight from SOI show up scared, nervous, not sure what to expect, they're in the fleet now, they walk into those headquarters and they are told, oh, Chesty's ghost is here. You know, your house smells. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. My house smells too. I'm not, I'm not indicting you. I'm sure you keep a clean home, but just time means you're going to acquire smells, whether those are cooking smells that get in your paint, your carpet. Maybe they're animal smells. Maybe you're a smoker or someone else was. Just living creates smells. I didn't realize that my home had a smell to it until I got my first Eden Pure Thunderstorm, the greatest air purifier I've ever ever owned in my life. This thing, I had it plugged in for two hours. I came back in the room and my air smelled so clean. I now own three of them. I'm not making that up. This thing has absolutely changed me on top of what it's done for my allergies. Go get one. Get two. 
Be like me and get three. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE. That gets you 10 bucks off and free shipping. EdenPureDeals.com, promo code JESSE. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together, we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.